Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a lounge singer to be their office receptionist. Hello, this is Mickey Marquis, and you've reached the office of Doug and Associates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Catch me Tuesday nights at the Hotel Johnson. Hello? But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Doug and Associates, this is Mickey Market. Hello? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Good afternoon, evening, or morning, if you're listening to this in the daytime. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of ARS 45. This is a special episode. We have the man who started everything at Denpa Pub, Mr. Ed Chavez. Everyone, thank you. Welcome him. Big, huge, huge welcome for Mr. Ed Chavez. Uh, I'm going to turn everything over to our founding father, uh, Mr. Chris. He will head up our interview this evening. So with that said, short intro, take it away. Absolutely. Uh, Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of of ARS 45 podcast with our very special guest, Ed Chavez Denpa. Uh, He's Agreed to come on to uh, just talk about manga and all things uh, uh, fun with us today. How are you doing, Ed? I'm doing well. Uh, a little cold out here on the Pacific Northwest, but nothing of that. Um, and obviously, very lonely because of uh, obviously you know, moving and not being able to see anybody. But yeah, outside of that, pretty good. Um, I don't have any, or don't have too many complaints. So. Well, I could certainly understand that uh, across the, you know, cross country here, uh, East Coast, been hit with snow. Oh, right. And, uh, some of us trying to dig ourselves out, uh, and of course dealing with uh, the concerns of uh, COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. um, you know, throughout uh, from last year into this year, but uh, trying to be very optimistic. Uh, as it relates to matters, uh, and very much uh, similar to yourself in your own um, your own optimism as it relates to just you know, being in the sphere in the in the the scene of of just manga fandom, anime fandom. Um, you've been in this for quite a while. When did you? How did you get into uh, <laughs> this hobby? How did you get into manga and anime? Uh, ooh, uh, so. Um... How did I get into uh, into, into the movie? Um, well, that's kind of where it really from me. So um, I was uh, raised virtually in in Japan. Uh, I lived there as a really young child before my family moved back to California, um, and was there up until I was in the um, And then we moved back to the states. So my sister, my little sister, will be born here and get citizenship. And um, even then, um, my older sister went to school uh, while we were over there. So 
they continued with some of her, not necessarily formal education, but she continued to like um, read in Japanese and, you know, being on the West Coast, we were very fortunate to have Japanese TV uh, on a regular basis, um, Channel 26 and Channel 53 on UHF. Uh, you can see Japanese television on uh, Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. in the morning, and then again from 7 p.m. until midnight uh, night. And uh, Saturday, Sunday, uh, programming, Japanese programming would be 5 to 1 a.m. Um, and then San Francisco, we also had Kinokuniya and Jinkodo. Jinkodo is another Japanese book chain that no longer is in the States, but um, uh, did have stores back then, um, um, like the late, the, I think it was the, the early aughts when they were there last summer in the U.S. Kinokuniya is still around. Um, they're obviously all up and down the West Coast. They have stores in New York and New Jersey and in Illinois and, and Texas and Arizona now. So, um, you know, more of the people was just possibly picking up manga and stuff like that. And there's also like anime, not necessarily like the biggest anime fan, but the anime has been a part of my, my life for as, as long as I remember it. Same type of reason, uh, reasoning, you know, once you move back, uh, there was anything on TV. So you can just watch, you know, Star Blazers and, um, Robots back to some regular morning TV. Um, and then there, there were other, eventually other programming, obviously, like Dragon Ball and, and stuff like that once I was in high school. But, um, you know, it was very, it was very interesting. And even, even like Evan Bellion was on regular TV in, in the Bay Area too back then. Uh, it was just more like when I was in college, if I remember correctly. But, um, yeah, it was just always around. So, so I remember. Uh, like in high school, just reading a, a lot of slam dunk and, uh, like, Wano with, with my, uh, a lot of them were reading Chinese because there's a massive Chinese community in, in the Bay Area and a lot of that's, a lot of the stuff was translated in, like, Hong Kong and, and China first and kind of exported. So, um, and eventually kind of noticed, oh, okay, I wasn't reading it in those languages. My friends were But then I like, kind of realized, oh, I can just, some of the stuff in Japanese myself, and eventually some of that stuff was available through Village and Dark Horse, uh, and the way, way early days of the manga industry. So, um, that's kind of how that built up. So, it was always kind of around, um, and so, like, describe how I got into the industry because I think that was a part of your question. Um, yeah, I started writing quite a bit about it uh, on a site called. Uh, on my own DVD way back in the late months, early, I mean, late nineties, early aughts. And it got to the point where like, I was just doing so much of that, that I kind of created my own little podcast blog community for a while called the manga community. And, uh, that was around 2003, 2003, 2003. And, uh, eventually that kind of got the attention of real publications like uh which is weekly and uh the of the big guardian and monocle and then wired magazine places like that um to the point where and comic book resources and and to the point where eventually it wasn't just me doing articles about um 
you know, the manga industry here, but also the manga industry in Japan, and like actually participating in um, um, interesting business for business lawsuits in Japan, just kind of translating some of that stuff, um, and bringing that stuff in, into the States as well. And uh, yeah, I got to the point where like there was enough of that happening that um, not only was I just writing about it, but even people, even people who Japan were very aware of what was going on. So eventually I got hired to work for someone in Japan to work on their international manga competition. And that kind of really got things really steam rolling. That was around 2006, 2007. I was doing things for that, for that and marketing for, for that. And eventually started doing uh, more marketing for um, the Monster Box, which is where um, the Monogatari novel series came from, as well as Gordon Appears and things like that. And uh, while working while working for them for a couple of years, then uh, Franco was in the process of really, really early process of like purchasing Vertical. Um, and one of the things that picked up was, hey, you're already working for for Kodansha, you know their catalog. Vertical Kitchen was only doing uh, Azuka titles for the most part. They had they had the Guin Saga as well as um, Tutera, but they were hoping to do more manga um, for a while, and they completely prepared me to you know, take care of that catalog and expand that out because I already had the connections with, with Kodansha. So um, that was in 2009, and I was there. Uh, as a marketing director for eight years, uh, you know, we released a lot of a lot of things like you know, Venom's Origin and Sweet Home and Meet the Do and um, Doctor One. Uh, really, really interesting time. Um, uh, yeah, just, and, and along the way, I, 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 I you know, I forgot mentioning like you know, translations for. For, for Dark Force and, and stuff for Seven Seas, and I was an editor for, for DC Comics for uh, a couple of years uh, in between all that. So, yeah. Uh, and and the, the weirdest thing is, uh, in none of these were positions or anything that I applied for. It was just kind of being insane enough and, and deep in good enough that. Uh, you know, people were just knocking on the door every so often. It's kind of the same situation when, like, I moved on uh, from vertical to launch. It was more, hey, if we were going to go do um, uh, our own publishing uh, company, not, uh, not, not that, um, you know, would you be interested in science? And I was like, yeah, yeah. that's something I've been thinking about for a while, but just never really contemplated because of uh, actually the finances, but also like what that means, uh, just work wise. And, mm-hmm. you know, after a little bit of really, really quick bit of back and forth, I just decided to take a chance. And, and here we are. Certainly enough, uh, certainly enough, Ed. And uh, if anything, um, a very, very much, a, a, a very much a, a, an immense uh, history in itself there. 
and uh, you've actually answered uh, actually quite a few questions uh, in, in just that regard. Um, if anything, um, we certainly have to ask a, a follow-up, and, and you mentioned vertical in your time, mm. and, and certainly Gundam The Origin. Uh, that's actually originally how I came to uh, to meet you. Yeah, I remember once upon a time. Yeah, yeah. So, um, if anything, it was at Otakon uh, 2015. So it was back in the time before COVID in Baltimore, um, where you could actually shake hands with people. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yes, yes. Su such fun times, and I yeah. still have that that picture. Uh, of that that particular time that we met our first time and Gundam the Origin uh, certainly being a thing and one of the many titles that you have uh, handled in your time. Um, so reflecting on that and as you said your transition from Vertical to Kodansha, um, how was your time even you know, for the duration for Vertical uh, lasting? How how would you describe your time there and your experience there at Vertical? I mean, it was, it was, it was great. It, um, it, it was a lot of work. Well, we had a lot of work. And I've, I've been very open about expressing that. Um, in vertical, for the time that I was there, um, the majority of that period, it was just a staff of five people full time. And uh, that kind of meant people were wearing a lot of hats. Um, so maybe, um, you know, started, I, the, the, the interest for me to go there Rarely to do marketing, but that's kind of what I was asked to do. Um, but as I said, was also to try to build out the the, the, the manga line and and check out that catalog. So after about like a year of trying to really reorganize how to present vertical books to random books and our um, uh, retail partners. Then there was a transition to, to be in a situation where, okay, so what are we going to do in regards to what new books we're going to be releasing? Because our issue back then was really, we didn't really have a lot of money. So we, we were pretty, pretty well And uh, to try to just stabilize that and get books out on schedule and books, books uh, out to be relatively profitable. Um, we, we we really had to kind of bend down the edges quite a bit. And after, um, as I said, for about like a year or so, I started to work on the acquisition. And that, I mean, that was the second factor to start putting on. And, and eventually, um, you know, it, it kind of transitioned off to be like, okay, so um, it's good that we're releasing these books, but we also not releasing them on time. So. Uh, we, we, we flipped over our VP, who was our editor in chief, to mostly just do editorial. And, and, and in that case, I started, and he, he was, he was really focusing on just editing the prose and our nonfiction books and, and our lifestyle books. And then the manga editorial was split between me and, and, and the other full-time editor that I was there. Um, so that really ended up Speeding up the process of what of that vertical, and that was very interesting. But um, you know, in in that same period, though, yeah, not only was I doing 
marketing and sales and, and once again, making cleaning, but I was also editing at that point. I eventually started translating also. Um, there, there were very specific titles that, it, um, yeah, uh, we, we just couldn't find the right people for us. So, um, and, and also the kind of save costs and save time. We, we did a lot of that type of thing in, in power. So, uh, you know, having to wear all these hats and then eventually <laughs> I was like the accountant. <laughs> Um, it, it got to be really eye-opening in many ways, um, and, and like I said, I, I learned a real lot during that experience, possibly more so than the majority of people in similar type of positions uh, that I have uh, experienced, uh, you know, gone through within the industry. So it's always interesting for me to hang out with other industry people and just be like, oh, yeah. I do all all of this type of stuff, and and they're just like, oh wait, look, I I literally just edit. Like, I don't I don't have to do any. Or the majority of the stuff that you're doing is amazing. Um, so so when, when when that kind of popped up, um, the opportunity for for something like taking our or creating our own line to. It wasn't necessarily a bad, and that part wasn't necessarily as intimidating for me because I was like, look, I can handle the majority of this. I just need to worry about, you know, whether I have enough long tail to make this work out because it's not going to work out overnight. And then the second concern that I had was, you know, am I going to be able to find the right people that help me do this? Um, and am I good enough a manager to manage people properly in those circumstances? And, we're still kind of figuring that out right now, but um, at least at least at least we're still releasing books. So that's I don't know if that's progress, but at least at least things are happening. So. I I think that I think that speaks volumes for uh, progression. I think if anything, uh, at least you're you're putting forth uh, an effort. If anything else, and certainly have for um throughout your 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 stint there and now to to what you're doing now uh dempa and uh if anything i'm going to give um a, a a very very brief um thanks to uh our one of our own and uh pirate zaku uh who has some uh questions uh for you and uh if anything uh it does relate to dempa and uh relates to uh some matters as it relates to to business because you did uh go forward in your your efforts with your skill and um just overall um wherewithal to take a bet on yourself to create denta and uh you know to to move forward and that was announced in uh in 2018. Um, yep. so i have the questions here and it was actually announced at Otacon, ironically yep. enough yep. Uh, so actually not a question actually that's not true it was it was enough Outside of Otacon, um, oh. in the same week. So, um, technically speaking, I run my own Outacon uh, at the same time, and we announced it there. So. Ah, I see. I see, but that same week span—that's still yes. still an amazing effort. And since then, you're you're here doing this. And if anything, um, our questions we have a. Uh, so what was it like trying to license manga as just your own entity? 
just trying to like with your experience um and your vast skill how is it just going about it on your own element um yeah that's an interesting question um so so to be honest it wasn't all that much different from what uh i was doing at vertical uh the there was a little a little element that did differ and um i will say that it may be the most important thing um so uh as i mentioned before I'm, I'm, i was working at vertical for eight years and i was primarily in charge of acquiring models for them um so once i moved over to dempa i already had the same connections um the the only concern was whether those same publishers the same agents that i knew already would they sell their their licenses to me as someone who does not have the backing of Odancha and random house like vertical does um so you know are they going to be were they going to be willing to just take a flyer on yeah, someone they knew, but someone who could possibly, like many businesses, you know, be gone in a couple of years. You know, because the majority of businesses fail within X amount of time. So, um, so there was there's really no there was really no guarantee on any of our side whether this would work out. Um, so it was very it was a little risky uh, for them. It was it was definitely risky for us because you know we were putting down all this money in advance to try to do this. Um, but uh, I was very fortunate that, particularly with uh, a handful of listeners, uh, we were able to start getting content relatively quickly. And then once we were releasing the books and once, those public once the other publishers started to see how our presentations came out and, and you know, what the response had been for those for those books, then increasingly more and more publishers have come on board. To the point where now we're, we're working with, I think, 13 uh, publishers and, and licensors. Uh, uh, it was not the fact that we've only been around for two years. So that's nothing bad. Wow, that, that's, that's pretty much an accomplishment. That That's an accomplishment for the number of uh, talents to align for a, a company. Uh, as young as Denpa and still growing. Um, if anything, that's 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 an excellent sign, and that actually coincides with a follow-up question from Pirataku, mm-hmm. and that is, uh, what were the reactions of uh, the agents and artists uh, when they found out you created your own uh, company, and you know, and you wanted their content? Like, what was just the general for those that that had come into your circle of just of 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 trust and 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 camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it like for them to hear that you were you were pretty much stepping out on a on a you know sort of a, mm-hmm. a leap of faith? Um, yeah, that that's really interesting too because um, to, to be honest, the, the particularly that like moderator in Japan, like the Kamikawa's and the the Finches, um and to an extent, like one of the big two, one of the big three, they were very excited to see me back. 
Like to the point when we got to like Pot of Power, they were like, you, you, you have no idea how glad we are that you or he did not retire or, or leave any Um Which is why, like, the very first thing that we did to them was essentially the Titan. You know, so now, now we're doing stuff with Kate and we're doing today's Minnie Flea Linear Family. Um, it's not a, it's not a franchise that is very small and insignificant, often considered right now. Um, and that was one of our first acquisitions. And, um, they were more than able to, to give us a job with that. And they did the same thing with more Gundam, which we've already announced. So we're, we're hoping to do some more, which I haven't announced yet. So, um, you know, under those circumstances, some publishers were really stuck. I mean, even, even Kodansha, and I just said, you know, they own your, you would think it would be maybe some, you know, there could obviously be room for like hard feelings under those circumstances. But one of the things that they said very early on was, hey, Ed, we know you, we've worked, we've worked with you for a real long time now, you know, not even the vertical days, just before then. Um, and, we know what you like is the other thing with this thing. And we were very aware that, you know, I wasn't necessarily always acquiring the titles that I enjoyed when I was in vertical. I was just being very smart about what I thought would be profitable as well as um, beneficial for the market back then. So we were very open to be like, you know, we have books that could work for you if you, if you want to go out of them. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be like the next biggest set automatically. Um, but at the same time, we feel that you may have an interest for these things. And if you do, then if you have your chances, and that's what, you know, title ID rolled over to others. It's not an insignificant title in Japan. It is a massive title there, but no one would, no reasonable publisher in the U.S. would that thing is done. Well, we're not reasonable. Uh, so we did. It's doing very well. Oh, definitely so. If anything, it, just looking at uh, your roster, it's uh, been very impressive. Just this, what's been acquired, and and now, of course, uh, learning some of the the history really behind it. And um, it's 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 anything. It, it coincides. Uh, just with with the work of of just publishing, license, and acquisitions, uh, we always have to ask this typical question: just what is the day to day like? Um, you know, and especially these days, you know, with with um, COVID nineteen, uh, what is the day to day like uh, for you, Ed? It's it's uh, it's, it's yeah, it's hard to describe. Yeah. It's a lot of just busy work, like a real lot of busy work. So I mentioned earlier, when we were at Vertical, it was small. And by the time that I left, we we still only had like a staff of seven. So we actually finally hired a account before I left. And there, I had like a marketing assistant, Allison, which is nice. But um, you know, right now at Gempa, I, I work in a staff of three, right? So. We were talking about wearing a lot of hats. Um, so, for example, when I when I wake up, you know, typical day, you know, I'll just go through Twitter and you know, 
maybe that's what the news is. Then at, at around like 10 30, 11 o'clock, I started my work day. And under those circumstances, um, quickly, uh, go through emails, see what messages I got from Japan, uh, try to get back to them as soon as possible because of the time difference. Um, I could be fortunate that some people maybe still not around that time, um, <laughs> where they can respond um, to me relatively quickly. Um, then I go and transition to sales. Uh, so our distributor is, is a company called Ingram, and they're based out of Nashville, so they're two, two hours ahead of us. So I want to be able to um, try to respond to any sales questions, any shifting questions, inventory, whatever, um, as, as, soon, as soon as I can. So that usually takes up most of my time until about what they're really uh, from, from two on to uh, about four or five, I end up doing um, editorial, mostly for Baku at that, at that point, um, which, is, which is our sister company. Uh, but I also do some, uh, some editorial quality control for, the, for them as well. From five to eight is when I do most of my editorial for, for, for Denpa. Um, I try to stagger things out where I work on, uh, three to four books a day, uh, kind of pacing things out, um, by chunks of, chunks between 60 to about 100 pages per book. Uh, depending on what my schedule is. So the, the, the deeper into a project, I will do more pages just because they've gone through a summer revisions already. So a less thing for me to be scrutinizing. But if it's very early in, in the editorial process, then I'll, I'll speak it a lot slower just because I'm looking at every page and every panel with a lot, uh, more of a, of a discerning eye. So under those circumstances, yeah, a book. Like a single of a book would be a three or four. But, um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of how that ends up working. I've got meetings usually Tuesdays and Thursdays. It take up a couple hours. So under those circumstances, some of those other things get kind of pared down. But the editorial usually always happens. Um, then on uh, yeah, after eight o'clock, I'll take a, a dinner break. Uh, come back. If, if I'm uh, further enough, and then follow with email and check check Slack, which is more critical right now because of COVID. And obviously, we're working remote. Uh, get back to my coworkers if they have any questions, um, and and then rinse and repeat. And then on Saturday, Sunday, uh, either one of the two days, or if I'm really in a crunch, um, which you know, happens a lot more the closer I am to like field conference conferences with uh, our our retailers. Um, I'll usually most of the week one of the two days I would go into the office to you know check, do HR stuff, uh, pay bills, um, you know, pay uh, pay for licenses or royalties, um, download files to our server, upload final uh, book. Uh, little details like that. Um, 
that, that I could not be doing too much at home because, you know, it's rather than have those away from somewhere else for security reasons. So, um, yeah, it, 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 it's rough having to do a lot of this kind of by yourself. Um, uh, it, you know, a lot of that is just really, as I said, busy work on my own part. It makes it really hard as you do know, this interview process of just like they're reflecting about, like, oh, yeah, management and directing other people that don't really have the time for that. So, um, you know, that has definitely taken a bit of a bit over the last year with, with Corona, but yeah, there's really very little to do um, to really remedy that. You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P- please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But like being crazy micromanaging, you know, so. And even that, that would mean taking away time from my other work. So, yeah, it's. It's, it's, it's a grind. It's, it's, it's a, it is a grind, but you sounds like you're doing uh, you're doing everything to uh, keep things going and and have as your the rest of your staff as well. Um, you know during these times and even you know prior just with the 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 rigors of um of the business and certainly you you've 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 seen it you're experiencing it uh, as well and it's certainly being in in in, in leadership. So I, I have to ask, as one who, who is a, a a business leader in, uh, in in your regard, I ask about um, in your your business being manga. Um, what are your thoughts on the current state of manga, both in uh, the U.S. and Japan, and um, anything in particular that stands out to you, given uh, where manga is um, in the states right now and in Japan as well. Um. Let's start off with, with the differences. I think that's a little easier to start. Um, over there, I mean, it's a massive market. It's like it's literally a third of all books is is is, is a manga. Thing. So it's yeah. You know, um, at the same time, uh, with population decline over there and um, just ag place and economic. Things are not growing badly. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that manga is disappearing or it's on the decline over there, but things are kind of, they're going through a lot of changes. They're increasingly 
um, magazine sales, like physical magazine sales are, are declining rapidly and a lot more of that's moving to digital. Um, and, uh, so like digital distribution. And well, that's, that's great. Um, it is kind of really changing how content is being produced as well as how content is being edited. So I feel that the, what there is a little bit more variety in that regard uh, these days than there were before. There's also a lot more um, element for, it, this is going to be very typical of me to say, and kind, of, kind of harsh, but a lot more elements of having something that's a lot more flaky. Uh, what I mean by that is things that may look really, really interesting uh, and just um, not be completely at solid story-wise or or even presentation-wise, as they used to be. What I mean by presentation is kind of paneling and, and really high technical manga building stuff. But um, so some of that is kind of eroding a little bit from certain places. The regular customer may not notice it too much, but if, if you're really hardcore, you, you're, you're kind of noticing it a little bit more and more. Um, it's also a little weirder for me just to kind of yeah, not not the uh, well. It's been it's been a year, so I don't know. I can say, but even even last year in January when I was last in Tokyo, just to see the manga sections in bookstores, you know, they're still there. But where the way that they used to kind of be split up was, you'd have your your bone, basically your book section, and then uh, your your graphic novel section, and then your your significant magazine section and the new releases um right next to that and that magazine section is used to be a couple islands worth of books uh or shelving and now it's literally just like not a book bill and um it it kind of it's a little unsettling because it, it, it kind of makes me wonder where are people finding their stuff uh, I, I assume it's increasingly more online, but as someone who's trying to do the same, if I have to go to like a dozen different websites, it's it's a lot more of a pain than just go to a bookstore and get five or six or seven magazines at once. So, and some some places have their own website, and some places have some of their content exclusively on Pixiv or other places. So it gets the fragmentation is uh, a lot more significant, and I don't know. I, I, I just feel that it it, it, it kind of makes sense that the individual possible the actual graphic novel, those numbers are not declining in Japan. Like, those are actually slightly increasing in some cases. And that makes sense to me because more customers are sticking to what they know instead of experimenting, which is not not that helpful, I think, for the industry. On the flip side, here in North America, um, you know, we, we went through a bubble period when Tokyo Pop went under and, and importers did, and that was uh, or 2009, 2010. And um, the market for manga really took a nose dive, um, and it was it was literally topped by three quarters. Um, and we're, we're starting to catch up uh now but that's literally been indicated at this point um so we're we're almost a little we're a little over that gain half of that maybe like two-thirds of that now um 
so things are things are a lot healthier uh, in that regard. But now we're kind of experiencing some other little challenges. Um, you know, there's always right now there's always this uncertainty about like the future of Barnes and Noble. And while people may not necessarily think that's all that important, Barnes and Noble still makes up about like thirty percent of the manga market. Um, so that's that is the massive number. Um, there's also uncertainty with Diamond Comics. And Diamond isn't as big as, as, as BNN, but they are about like 10 to 15 percent for the market also. So that that is you know important. Um, and obviously there are no libraries for people to go to right now because of COVID. Um, you know that's another 10 to 15 percent. So you start adding up some of these details, and it's, it is a concern. And and while Amazon has been picking up some of this stuff, um, yeah. Amazon also has its own problems, right? And and you know they've they've had their issues with with their own internal staffing and and you know the monopoly issues they're kind of being stuffed around. So there are other little things that are a little concerning just in general. Um, that is not to say that manga is not growing, but there's there are all these little uncertainties in the background that are around, which is not great if you're in that position. It's, one of those one of those pillars fall and then there's gonna be a real lot of chaos. So um but, uh, uh, I guess those numbers are good. Uh, things are improving that way. We are seeing new publishers come around, which is interesting. We're seeing more of the existing publishers try new genres and also try new demographics and, and experiment with a lot more things in that regard different presentation styles, just great. Um, you know, more, more people are trying things like omnibuses and and and, and um uh party covers and you know, different sizes. So all that's really cool. Um so there, there has been quite a bit of progress in, uh, for that and I think that's mostly been coming for like the last four years or so, but What's interesting for me personally to kind of see that is that these are the things that we were doing at Vertical 10 years ago. And then it starts to see more publishers do that themselves after all this time is kind of, it makes me feel pretty good. Because um, once again, they weren't like a great big company or anything, but they definitely seem to be influential. And um, um, that's kind of what we're trying to do ourselves right now. So, you know, we, we do get a lot of questions. And I know this, you didn't ask this, but we do get a lot of questions about like, well, why would we, why would like someone even try to launch a manga publisher right now? All things considered, you know, we, obviously we did this before COVID, but, you know, I've been really positive about this market in general. Um, and, and, I, and I know how big and how diverse the market is in Japan. So I feel that there's still plenty of places to start, plenty of places to, to search around and dig around for really good content for the English market. And, you know, as long as we don't start deciding to do, you know, 100 books a month or anything, like we just do what we do really well, which is what we've been trying to do. You know, we can, we, we have a, a pretty good, Niche or, or or a good place within the within the industry, and I think I think I'm personally I'm more than satisfied with, with that. There's nothing wrong with a niche, especially uh you know, especially 
with a growing uh, niche and a growing element as one who is a uh, part of that uh that marketing aspect uh you know just the hard covers and and omnibus um collections certainly enough uh things are are moving uh, in that regard and the fact that um you know you being a part of a company that that was leading that uh that element or at least um spearheading that as a as a concept and others are following in suit of that that actually uh it is that's some groundbreaking material because uh you can't go any um any further than that as far as uh, being innovative and still innovating as well in your your right at, with uh with denpa um which actually leaves me to uh, a question from pirate zaku and uh talking about the challenges that um publishers face and um it goes here so do you think that uh manga will continue to go digital and possibly start going with subscription services uh do you think that might scare off potential uh future fans and older readers so we've seen of course comiXology and other services come about in the in, in the most recent years so just what are your, your thoughts on uh that element of the of the market uh, i mean digital the majority of books that are licensed right now are available digitally. So that's, I don't think that's going to change. Um, what, what has been kind of surprising, especially during the age of Corona, is that digital sales are actually on a decline in North America. Um, why that is, there, there are a number of theories. One of the biggest ones tends to kind of revolve around the actual size of the market. Um, apparently, I mean, this is something that big, big publishers and and then agencies like a few research institutes uh, and even like the, the federal government have studied, is that there are X number of readers in America. Um, the average reader in America may buy one or two books in a full year. So, um, and mind you, mind you that's, the, that's on average. So that means that a lot of people don't even buy one book, and then there are people who buy more than one book. Uh, and uh, the the frustrating thing in regard to that is actually where the big silos are. Is, uh, you have a massive silo of people who don't read at all, and then you have a uh, uh, silo of just people casually reading, maybe getting like a, a book a month or so, and then you have this medium-sized silo of people who buy like 20 to 40 books a year. Um, when ebook started to take off, which was around like 2012 or so, um, with, with, the, with the advances in the Kindle and obviously the iPad, um, what, what the industry thought was that most of those readers would switch over to the to, to digital. Um, and without having to worry about space issues, that that middle silo where there's just not a lot of like just a bunch of casual readers, which is the majority of of uh, the readers, the idea was or the hope was that would go up. Actually, it never changed. Like those people just don't read to begin with, or not read enough. Uh, and the back end of people who don't read at all, like that, actually started to grow a little bit more. Just yeah, like the internet is basically taking those people away completely. Um, 
And on the on the flip side, that 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 medium size bottle, uh, yeah, the medium size bottle, which is where the heavy readers are, um, those that's where like the most so you did have a number of people within that community who have gone entirely digital. Um, and you have some people, uh, a good chunk, the majority of those readers that still like to buy paper and it's kind of for personal reasons, really. Um, and, and that is actually the majority of readers to this day. And what we've noticed is over time, initially, what we ended up thing was there was bad because of the, the technology so back in yeah back in 2011 12 around 40 percent of the market had flipped over to digital that has still back down to around 25 for the overall book market and it's gone down to about like 12 percent for for manga so it's Really strange, and, and what is really what, are, what is even more strange about that is this piracy, right? So um, right. now, all numbers still kind of are working. Where like the number of pirates is, is not necessarily it's not greater than the number of people who buy legit, but um, there are still numbers, so it's kind of it's still kind of interesting, and and. And the the ratio of people of pirates convert to just being digital readers is not very high, so that's that's the that's the one problem. Um, so the 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 second question that we brought up was the trucking services. Um, yes. So in in that case, that's where things get super complicated, and so the customer they don't necessarily know why it would be uh to be honest for most entities on this side on north america there's totally the majority would want to have subscription services this is a lot easier however on the opposite side on japan side this is where it's very complicated um services over there for manga clearly exist and when they do it is for a Single publishers selling their own content. So, for example, there there is a service called Manga Plus, which is essentially the Shonen Jump app for Japan. And what is on that on that service? It's just books from that publisher. They don't have books from other publishers. It is literally just their own stuff, and you can subscribe just to their stuff. So, say you don't just read Shonen Jump and you want to read Shonen Sunday, or Shonen Sunday is from Shonen so you you won't find that on on that number. You have to go on to the Chromacon, uh, which is called um, uh, Mondo One or something like that. Don't don't quote me on that. And so then you're forced to have all of these different subscriptions for all these different publishers. On the flip side, if you're going to start doing that in space, yeah, if you're visiting your own bus so you can have your Sun and Jump app. And enough people know what Shonen Jump is. But if they were to do a Shonen Sunday app, mind you, this is also in the Shogakukan, they could, in theory, um, a few people know what Shonen Sunday is. Maybe some people do, but not as many as what Shonen, not as many as like the number of Shonen 
things. And then you start moving down the line. Would Asha do that with uh, Morning Magazine? I don't think... You ask one in a hundred manga readers in the U.S., do you know what Morning is? I would say maybe five of them know, right? So that's not, that's not really a good place for for marketing. Then you start moving into the more obscure publications like Queer Enix, and can they say, can we have a Bonzon magazine? Mind you, there was one in English for 10 years, and nobody bought it. So, it was, but it wasn't called that. It was, it was called Yen Plus. And, you know, and that went digital for a little while, and it's still been over. Um, so, and once again, if you go further down the line, you know, with, with, um, with Katakawa that are now in this, in, in this market, do they want to do the same thing with, with, um, uh, Dragon Magazine? And there are even fewer people know what that is. So, um, so that's, 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 that's one significant interior to that is that you have this fragmentation in regards to publishers. Two, um, and this is an issue that happens even to Netflix this day. Um, when you do start creating a, a subscription service and you have multiple publishers that are that do buy in, how do you properly split the revenue between the publishers? So one issue that came up really early days for, for manga, uh, for ebook manga, was was a service called Game uh, uh lasted about like three years or so in the mid teens, and uh, they worked with a good chunk of the Japanese manga publishers. But the reason why they didn't have a real lot of content from the big publishers, whether that's Kodansha or Kuwait or Kodakukan, was those big publishers are very pissed off their books would be carrying weight for all the other publishers' books. And on the flip side, the small publishers were like, you can't give us a smaller site just because we're a smaller publisher. If our books are doing well, then you know, we could get an equal cut to the big publisher. And so there was, this all, there was a consistent back and forth of like, how to share the money that was coming in. Because there really, at least at the time, wasn't a great way to figure out how to distinguish where a threshold was for, for a book to be paid. Um, so, say for example, if you're going to do that with video, that's, you know, video, you've got ads on YouTube and stuff like that. Netflix, there's a massive, massive advance that is being paid for, for those movies. You know, we're not talking a couple thousand dollars. It's you know hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars for for a movie that's on there. So, in in, in the case of manga, <laughs> to get to acquire a manga, it doesn't really cost all that much. We're talking a couple, a few thousand dollars, but for each sale, then there's a percentage of each sale that is sent back to to, to the Japanese publisher. Um, how do you do that with an ebook on a subscription service when everything is, when the whole plan is like, I don't know, five ninety nine or whatever? How do you split that all up? Um, if it's over different publishers. So, you know, do you kind of weigh 
once again, to, to go the way of like the big horses and say, hey, we, we carry most of the load, so we get the bigger cut, or do you, do you work with like the smaller publishers and say, we have a lot more content here, so we should get the a bigger or even cut. So, you know, those are the issues that we end up running into quite a bit under those circumstances. And even, even to this day, uh, when it comes to services like Mongamo, um, you know, the majority of their content is a company so it's like, all right, I assume most of that, that, um, that tech every month is going straight to them. Um, you know, Shonen Jump, that's all just one public service, so there's no issue there. And there really isn't another service that kind of does that. Uh, comicology works on a slightly different model. Um, they also, you know, Amazon is a massive, massive company. Um, so their tech is quote unquote interesting. Um, so under those circumstances, if someone reads, uh, a book, let alone a manga, right? But if they, if they read to X percentage of a book, then that book is starred in full to the publisher uh, or paid back in full to the publisher. That's super complicated. Um, and what, what I mean by that's complicated. So if, if a book on comicology is five ninety nine and the comicology subscription per month is I don't know ten ninety nine or or whatever it is. Um and you, you read three, four, five books in a month and you're only paying for the subscription. Amazon is actually paying more than the subscription back to the publisher. Um but Amazon can do that because Amazon's a literal multi billion dollar company. They're using comicsology, and this is very well known as a lost leader. Um, smaller, you, your average manga publisher in the States or your average manga comic distribution service online is going to be working in this industry to lose money uh, or actively lose money uh, like Amazon does. Um, so there are very few opportunities to, to Entities are going to be just literally giving money away. Um, so it, it, it gets, it gets really, really hard to monetize properly. Um, unless you start going into like really good tech where you can be like, Hey, okay. If you read 20% of, 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 of a, of a book, 50% of the book, that percentage is taken out of your account and put into that specific. You know, book only twenty percent of, of of your five ninety nine each month is in you know twenty percent of a book of of of, of that whole subscription. You know, so it's like really crazy type of math um, to do it equitably. Uh, there are many ways to do it unequitably. <laughs> so that's that's kind of why you don't see this happen a lot. It's actually kind of one of the reasons why like Saku. Um, subscription service is almost entirely just one magazine, literally one magazine, or one publisher. Wow, but one publisher, but but successful. Uh, you know, one of the more successful uh, examples, given um some of the um 
tremendous elements that uh, others have to face in terms of um, profit distribution. And just as as, as stated, uh, no one is in the business to lose money. People go into business to make money and lots of it. Um, profitability. Uh, with that said, Ed, uh, we have just one final question as you have um, definitely bestowed a great deal to us in this interview. And that question is, do you have any future plans for DEMPA once all this COVID-19 element is over? Going to have a cake? Going to celebrate? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, uh, it would be great, great to be back in the office um, and just doing what we wouldn't normally be doing. There's nothing really special. Like, we'd probably, with the staff, you know, um, go and have a crab, crab fest feast uh, at some point because there is good seafood here in Portland. But outside of that, um, you know, same old, same old, same old. Most likely, as soon as we, we can start to do so, uh, we'll be going back to Tokyo to do acquisitions and, you know, once, once cons start up again and it's safe to do them, you know, we'd be at cons and, um, but yeah, same old, same old, really. Nothing really unique in that part when it comes to what, uh, COVID is kind of holding us back on. It's just literally what we want to be able to, uh, what we would be doing right now. If we could all just be in the office together. Um, but that said, um, you know, uh, hopefully down the line, be nice to, to get a little bit more staff and, um, be nice to do a few more books a month. Um, we have a lot of ideas. So, um, do a little bit more with their website, with our, with our e-reader that we have on there, uh, which is very unique um, and kind of uh, underappreciated by the public right now. So, you know, um, maybe see if we can do a little bit more to promote that. But, um, yeah, just hug along. I, I don't think I could have said that uh, any better for just the rest of us. We're all trying to get back to that form of normalcy. Uh, certainly uh, looking forward to uh, seeing uh, any sort of element of that crab feast uh, once yeah, the no. pandemic is over. See happy people smiling, because that's yeah. what it's about. Um, that is the plan. Ed Chavez, thank you very much for, for coming along for this interview and joining us for this special edition. Uh, where can people find you? Where can people find Denpa? Uh, right now, where can people yeah. find your titles? Yeah, well, I mean, you can you can find our books at better book bookstores. Um, you know, if, if you don't, if, if your local comic shop or bookstore doesn't carry us, um, just feel free to ask the proprietors um, for them. They could be able to find us within the Diamond catalog as well as the Ingram catalog. Um, we're distributed by Ingram in the states and as well as the UK. Canada and Australia. And then, uh, yeah, you know, online retailers, uh, whether it's Amazon, stuff, Barnes and Noble, uh, Books a Million, Book Depository, um, they, we're, we're available through those services. Um, 
uh, on our website, and which is all Google the home of our e-reader, is denta.pub, so pub being P-U-B, so denta.pub. Uh, and then our, we're most, most of our social media is on Twitter. Uh, that is uh, Dempa underscore books, I believe. Um, let, me, let me confirm that right now. <laughs> right ahead. I don't necessarily like at myself all that often. Uh, so I, I think that's correct. The actually, I'm silly. I'm not going to remember that. Yeah. Dempa underscore books. Um, and uh, yeah, we. We, we we try to keep it pretty simple there, but also put us post up a bit of um, art and, and videos from our artists that we work with. So um, uh, that's, that's, that's the best place for people to uh, get into the stuff or so send us any questions as well. So, um, yeah. Well, Ed, I think if anything, that's perfect, ladies and gentlemen. Ed Chavez, Denpa, definitely support uh, this rising uh, company, the pulse of Japan's comic scene, certainly enough. Uh, if anything, Deckard Bain, we have anything to say to uh, the people before we uh, close out. Ed, thank you so much. Thank you for all the work that you do. Um, super enlightening. Uh, to talk with you because uh, I'm uh, listening in uh, this evening and we wish you and all of your team the best uh, much much more growth um, so that you can take a little bit off your plate because you are a <laughs> hard working man uh, let me <laughs> thank you for joining us for this special episode of ARS 45 with Mr. Ed Chavez we hope that you have a great night. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and we hope that you listen in for the next one. See you then. Hi, my name is Joe and I'm a home decor overspender. Hi, Joe. I made a breakthrough. I found HomeSense. It's unreal. So many brand name sofas. I bought one. Oh, wow, really? It's okay. The prices so low. Lighting unexpected. Rugs handcrafted. Wall art eclectic. I go back like every week. <gasps> no, it's always different. New unique decor. Same great savings. Every time you go. Field trip. HomeSense. Standout pieces. Outstanding prices. You coming to bed, hon? Yep. Honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow. Ow. Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on, and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.